Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 14. While you do that, we want to just thank God for an incredible weekend for the women who had pink in impact. All the women in, the play in this house. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. We're glad for God's goodness over your life. And we're excited for what God has for us corporately. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and uh, verse 14. Once again, we are so excited that you're here. We're so excited and we welcome you. It says, but when Christ came as the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, his own blood thus obtaining eternal redemption, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more than with the blood of Christ, there's power in the blood. How much more than with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We know that your word is quick and it's powerful, and we know that your word is alive. Let it be made relevant and let it have weight in our lives today. Bless everyone here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your seats. Today is we stop and recognize that it is Palm Sunday. It was the incredible day where Jesus entered into Jerusalem, spiraled into what we know as Easter, what we'll celebrate next Sunday. But today we're going to look at the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus and the impact that his humble actions have had on all humankind, have had on the ones that have gone before us, have had on us and those that are still to come. And what's an awesome about this is that the sacrifice of Christ gives life, it gives opportunity, and it gives victory to all who would believe. It gives life, it gives opportunity, and it gives victory to all who would believe. And we understand that through the sacrifice of Jesus we understand that through the sacrifice and that the, the sacrifice of Christ is completely sufficient, that there's no need for any other work to be done. There is no need for anything else to take place because everything that Jesus has done is enough for us today. Amen. There is so much more that we can learn from Christ in this area Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus dealing with temptation, what that looks like in our life. Last week, we talked about the humility that Jesus took to lay his life down. And today, we're going to look at a different aspect of sacrifice as we uh, go into this this morning. So we understand that it is enough. We understand that there is so much that we can learn. So let's get started. So when we look at the book of Hebrews what we have to understand is the context in which it was written and what the writer is trying to communicate, what he's trying to convey as he writes this book. So we have to understand the context 
the, the culture that he is speaking to, what he is looking at. So what we're seeing here in the book of Hebrews is a comparative analysis. So what he is taking is what he is looking at the Old Covenant, which is from the Old Testament, the Law of Moses. And on the other hand, he has the New Covenant, which is the finished work of Jesus Christ, which we see d- develop in the New Testament. So what we see here is he puts them side by side and he compares them. It's just like when you take something, when you take a, a quote and you compare it side by side and you see which one is better. You, you take a look at the details, you take a look at what one offers and you take a look at what the other offers. So here the writer lets us know that the new covenant through the work of Jesus is better, is better than the old covenant, that the second covenant Amen, is better than the first covenant. This shows us a God that is, is ever increasing, a God that is willing to, to do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. It lets us know that there is a God who looks, who has our best interest in mind. For I know the plans that I have for you, they're plans of good and not of evil, and to give you an expected end. It is a God that, that takes us, that increases. So when Paul notes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, And verse 18, he says, But we all with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. I'm glad I'm being transformed. In the same image, from glory to glory, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So when Paul mentions the unveiled face. He is referencing Exodus chapter 34. The Bible says that when Moses would go into the presence of the Lord, he would take the veil off and be in the presence of God. And when he would descend and be with the people, he would cover his face. The the glory of the Lord would shine through. So when he is talking about this unveiled face, he is letting us know that the privilege that Moses had to be in the presence of Almighty God is the privilege that we have today through the new covenant. We have the same accessibility to be in the presence of God just as Moses was. We have the, present, we have the availability to, to talk to him, to have fellowship with him, to feel his presence at any point during the day. You can call on him, the Bible says, and he will answer. The same Greek word that is used for glory is used twice. In this phrase, from glory to glory, yet each usage in this particular context refers to something different. The first glory is that of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Law of Moses, while the second glory is the glory of the New Covenant, the work of Jesus Christ. So Paul is letting us know that we're being transitioned from one glory to another. We're transitioning from the Old to the new. And the second, he tells us, is better. In 1 Corinthians 15, when the Apostle Paul writes, so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, but the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. 
The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. Adam, who we know and is referenced in Genesis, is the first man. But Jesus, our Lord and King, is the second man. And I want to tell you that the second is better than the first one. In the Old Testament, the prophet Haggai writes that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. He is an increasing God. He is a God that has better days ahead. Jesus' first miracle when he's invited to Cana into this wedding and he converts water into wine. They they take a taste of what this is and they say, Master, everybody else saves the best wine or or has the best wine first and then the, the, the not so best wine after that what he says is you have saved the best for last it is a picture of what god wants to do in us as believers and us as a church that was jesus's first miracle so i say all that to say that i am believing god for better days for you i'm believing god for better days for us as a church i'm believing god for better days for me don't get me wrong i'm i'm not asking for perfect days i'm asking i'm believing god for better days and i don't don't misunderstand me, don't misquote me. I am grateful for his faithfulness. I'm grateful for him sustaining us and keeping us till this very moment. There's some of us here that have been through incredible things that, that we can't even tell sometimes without tearing up because we understand where God has brought us from. I'm grateful for his faithfulness. I'm grateful for his goodness in our lives. I, I say like David said in the Psalms 124, if the Lord had not been on our side. Let Israel say if the Lord had not been on our side when people attacked us, when people talked about us, when people lied on us, they would have swallowed us alive with their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. But praise be to the Lord. Amen. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So can I stop and just say thank you. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for stepping in the way you did. I would have lost my mind. I wouldn't have survived. I would have been somewhere isolated, but I'm grateful for the goodness of the Lord that when they came up against me he said he told Abraham I am your shield and I am your great reward I will stand in front of what's coming against you and I will protect you I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes my help comes from the Lord the Lord who made the heavens and the earth when it seemed too much he stepped in I can praise him for what he's done, and I can also praise him for what he's going to do. I can praise him for what he's going to do. I can praise him in faith. So when we look, so let's, let's look at the book of Hebrews just a little bit further. When what we have now is better than what we had before. The second covenant is better than the first covenant. The new covenant is greater than the old. So he continues making these comparisons as he's looking Side by side, and in Hebrews chapter 3, he says, verse 8, he says, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, 
and the day of temptation in the wilderness. So what the, the writer here is referencing is Exodus. He's referencing the exit out of Egypt when, when Moses was sent by the Lord and, and told Pharaoh, let my people go. And, and, and they went through that whole process that we have heard of uh, countless times. They, God had a land that flowed of milk and honey, but they hardened their hearts and they couldn't wrap their minds and their hearts around the promises of God. So they themselves caused failure. It wasn't because God had intended that for them. It's because of their unbelief. It's because they couldn't embrace God's promises. They, could, they, they thought that God's promises were too great for them. They had, they had, their only frame of reference was a life of slavery in Egypt. They had been there for 400 years. So that's all they knew. So they, they, couldn't, they couldn't understand and, and believe that God had something greater. And why is this important? Because some of us, our frame of reference is disappointment. Our frame of reference is heartache. Our frame of reference is things that have come against us and destroyed us. And that's all we can see. That's all we can see because that's all we have known. And for some of us, it's hard to say, God, do you really have something greater for me? Do you really have something better than what I have experienced in, in, the, in the so many years that I have lived? I, I, want, I want to rise today to tell you that God does have something better, that you can rise from the ashes of whatever disappointment has been present in your life and you can embrace the promises of God. So what he tells us, he tells the new covenant church, which is you and I, he says, don't harden your hearts as in the provocation. Don't, don't doubt God's promises. Don't have this disbelief and this uncertainty. Embrace what God has, that the thief has come but to seek, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give you life, he said, and life more abundantly. And that life is available for you today. His promises are for you today. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Once again, comparing the Old Testament to the New. He says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize a double negative, which means we have a high priest who, who knows what we're going through. He says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we were, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of our need. So what he's talking about is under the old covenant, the high priest was this distinct individual, this person who was connected to God, and not just anybody could approach him at any given time unless you had gone through a process, through a ceremony to be cleansed. It was impossible to have access to the high priest. He was practically untouchable. And if you were considered unclean, you could count, uh, you could count the opportunity out, which was not hard to do. It, it would be easy for one to become unclean in the Old Testament. You could not approach the high priest. He was unattainable. He was, he was far out of reach. But the writer of the book of Hebrews lets us know we have now a high priest who is Jesus, who is Jesus, and he can be touched. He can be touched by our weaknesses. This, he takes it a step further because if you, for sure, if you were sick, there was no way that you could get near the high priest. But yet the writer tells us, he goes, your sickness is 
is not a hindrance. It's not a barrier, and it's not an obstacle for you to access the Almighty God. But you can go with you can go to Him with your infirmities. Another translation says it's completely opposite of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. But He can be touched by the most unclean part of our lives. He can be touched by the filth and by the mess that we get ourselves into. He can be touched by the horrible decisions that you and I have made. He can be touched in our weakness and when, but because the Bible says that when we are weak, he, he is strong, that his strength is made perfect in weakness. We can access the high priest. So if you're here today and if you're wondering, can, God, can I come to God with this, this horrible thing that is inside my life, with this temptation, with this sin, with this thing that I have tried to keep discreet for some time, can I come to God? You can access him right where you're at. And, and he can be touched by your weakness. He's not put off by it. He's not, he, he, you can come to him with your shame and your guilt and, and your inability to forgive. You can come to him with all that stands and that holds you back and that keeps you up at night. You can come to him. He can be touched by our weaknesses. And in Hebrews chapter 9, he again mentions Jesus' role as the high priest. And then the first four words, he says, but when Christ came, on this day when we remember that triumphant entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, he entered as a king and then was murdered like a criminal, we, we have to be reminded that we are here because he came. We are here because he made that entrance. We are here because he came. And even though the people that, that killed him were the same ones that were saying Hosanna the day before, it shows us how people can turn on us in, in an instant. And, and at the end of the day, we, all we have really is our relationship with Jesus and, and that that's all we need. He entered as a king, was murdered as a criminal. And I want to remind you that he came for you. He came for you with your mistakes, with your failures, with all your baggage, with your heavy burdens. He came for you. He loves you just like that. He loves you just like that, just as you are today. And he loves you so much to the extent that he doesn't want to keep you like that, that he offers something better for you. He has something better. So when the writer says, he said, but when Christ came as high priest, of the good things that are now already here. He went through the greater, more perfect tabernacle. He talks about the sacrifice. He talks about what was taking place because the Hebrew people had experienced the temporary forgiveness of sins. When the high priest would go and sacrifice the, the, an animal, the blood of an animal was what atoned, is what covered, is what canceled the sin in the people. It was through that sacrifice that there was forgiveness of sins. And the, the people relied, can you imagine just relying on this high priest to be right with God, to be able to access and, and to have your sin, to have our weight on that high priest. Because without the shedding of blood, there was not remission of sins. But the Bible tells us that Jesus came as the perfect lamb. 
the Lamb of God that John referenced who takes away the sin of the world. And he went through the pain. He went through the rejection. He went through the hurt. He did it for us. And the sacrifice of Jesus to leave heaven and offer himself on the cross was an atoning sacrifice that is effective even in today's world. While the people relied on that, on that sacrifice from the priest, Jesus' work, his sacrifice, finished it once and for all. Through Christ, we are completely redeemed from the broken pieces of our lives. And Paul mentions this in Philippians 2. And I mentioned it last week when I spoke on humility, but I do have to take a moment to reinforce that point that when he came, when he came, he was willing to give up his heavenly place to come to earth and to sacrifice for our sin, that he did not hold on to his position. He did not hold, hold on to his power. He did not hold on to that, but instead he came down. He humbled himself to be a humble servant and to give his life up on a cross for people who would reject him, for people who would not believe in him, for people who would do wrong even though when we knew what was right, he knew all of that and he still came in order to rescue the world from the curse of sin and he knew that it would cost him his life but he was willing to go through it for you and for me. There is a cost. If we're going to follow the example of Christ, there is a cost. To be a disciple, as he calls us to be, there is a sacrifice. And Jesus is very straightforward about this. And he tells the people, as they're following him on one occasion, and in Luke chapter 14, the Bible tells us that large crowds were traveling with him. And all of a sudden, he, he can imagine, you can imagine all the people that were around him. And he turns around to them and he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, listen to the strong words he used, his mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet even his own life, he cannot be his, my disciple. And whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple in the same way any one of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple so this is one of the most difficult passages in scripture and I understand that it's something difficult to swallow but the message that Jesus was trying to convey is you have to love me first you have to love love the Lord your God with all your heart you have to love me first. It was a challenge to give up for his disciples, to give up whatever stood in the way of them to be his disciples. For people, for, and that, that's the, the great part about it, or the interesting part about it, should I say, is that it looks different for every single one of us. For that young, rich, run, young, rich ruler, it was money. He, he, he passed. He crossed his intersection of opportunities, and he could not return because that was what stood in the way. But for some of us, it could be it could be anything else. It could be our material possessions. It could be what we have present in our lives. But Jesus says, all you have to do is seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then everything else shall be added unto you. What I have to do is I have to be willing to say, you know what? I, what I have is important to me, but it's not more important than you, Jesus. You paid the ultimate price for me, and I choose to put you first. There's a cost to pay. And the second point is we are crucified with Christ. The sacrifice, Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, discipleship and sacrifice can be difficult. Yes, we have to be willing to let go of things that stand in our way to love God and to serve him with all our hearts. And this is so important because through opposition, we have to be able to continue and persevere. That we have to know that through the struggle and through the battle that he is still with us and that we can overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the power of our testimony. He is with us always. And in fact, the Bible says that he dwells in us, empowering us to live a life of faith. So as hard as it may be to let things go, we have to understand that the Savior, the Almighty God, lives in our lives and that we can make sacrifices just as he made sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for us. Sacrifice takes courage, it takes conviction, and it takes confidence. But at the end of the day, it's all worth it. Worship team, will you come? It's all worth it. The end result. I figured I would not get a whole lot of amens over that. So here's the encouragement today. Throw off the past sin and the shame that has held us back. And that the Bible says that so easily entangles us. Run the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And then it says something that's so, so encouraging, He's, and it says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Right now, the joy set before us is lunchtime. But for... But to think of the cross and for him to associate it with joy, it's an oxymoron. It really doesn't make sense. The joy set before him, he endured the cross. I don't understand how those two can be in the same sentence. How could the cross bring joy? How could there be joy associated with the cross? But he reminds us that he sacrificed his life for the joy set before him to have a church. And let me remind you today that there is a very real abiding joy in serving others and sacrificing. It's just something incredible when we're able to sacrifice ourselves and to be able to give to others. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. For the joy set before him, he sacrificed he was bruised for our transgressions. He was beaten for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Can we capture that this morning as we enter into the Easter next Sunday? That the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That he paid the price so that we could live. And so that we could sleep at night and so that we could have peace in our hearts that when things that are not so good come our way that we could maintain that because he paid the price for it and by his stripes we're healed do you find yourself sick today is there a promise for you that by his stripes we are healed
Without the sacrifice of Christ, there's no redemption. And without the sacrifice of all those that have gone before us, there was no church. Sacrifice is powerful, and it can change the outcome of a battle, and it can change the outcome of a story. It can change someone's life who needs help. It can redeem someone's eternity, no matter how hard life has been, no matter how far you feel from God this morning, how far you feel from him, no matter how irredeemable you may think of yourself, the sacrifice of Christ is completely sufficient for you. It's completely sufficient for you just as you are right now. And you question, you say, you really don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but he does. He doesn't. It didn't stop him. It didn't stop him. Your hurt, your loneliness, your frustration, it doesn't stop him. His sacrifice was completely sufficient. Today's a good day. For us to be reminded of the sacrifice that he made so that we could rise above sin and that we could rise above shame and that we could accept the gift of God that which is by grace and grace alone. So as we prepare for Easter, the incredible day that we get to celebrate the resurrection of Christ and the fulfillment of the prophecies about him, let us be reminded that he took our place, that he took our place. In Hebrews chapter 11, this is the last scripture. It's known as the hall of faith. All these people from different backgrounds and different things that they went through, they all made it. I'll read a few. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead by faith. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. It says, and without faith it's impossible to please God. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in fear and in holy fear, he built an ark to save his family and through faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous that is in keeping with faith. And by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his, as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. And it goes on to say that some escaped the mouth of lions and some escaped fires. And it says some were able to find strength in the battle. By faith, all these incredible and great things were able to take place. But when you get to the very last scripture, the last verse of this chapter, it says they were all commended for their faith. So think of Noah, think of Abraham, think of all these incredible people that we know as heroes of the faith who are mentioned. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with him would they may be, would they may be made be made perfect. That better that the writer writes is the new covenant. And it's available for you. Freedom is available for you. Mercy is available for you. 
forgiveness is available for you. A new hope is available for you. Restoration is available for you. Salvation is available for you. Deliverance is available for you. Healing is available for you. Joy is available for you. Grace is available for you. For you today, for me today. And if you're in this place today, I'm going to invite everyone to close their eyes for just a moment. And if you're in this place today and if you'd like to make a first-time decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you have the incredible opportunity to say, Jesus, I lay my burden at your feet. I lay my past at your feet and I, I invite you in. I open my heart. I invite you to be this, the savior of my life. The deliverer of my life. And if you'd like to make this first time decision, with every eye closed, I want to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at because we just want to pray for you. Nothing else is required. Just raise your hand. You can let us know the chat we want to make this special time just to pray with you so I'm going to invite everyone to repeat after me as we pray this prayer Lord I admit I am a sinner in need of a savior I believe you are Jesus the son of God who died for the sins of the world and I confess you as Lord, Savior, and King of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise for those that received it. I'm going to invite you to stand. Wherever you're at today, in life, in your challenge, in the daily struggle that we have. We, we are to be reminded of the sacrifice that he made. That through grace, we have access to him. And this is what I want to do today. This is what we're, we're going to put our focus on, that we have a high priest that can empathize he knows our weaknesses and he knows what we're going through. So if you're here today and if you're hurting, if there's something in your life that you've kept bottled up and you just want to release it to, to God, this is your opportunity. I would love to invite you to come to this altar where we will pray with you. And if not, we can pray for you right where you're at. But and maybe for you today, this is not so much something that you need in your life, but you can think of a loved one, you can think of a friend, you can think of someone that is in dire need right now that you're going to stand in the gap for and intercede for. So whatever your circumstance and whatever your situation is, we're just going to allow God to move in our lives and to move in our hearts. And I want you to know that you can access him. You're hurt. 
your shame, your guilt, your past, everything that you could think of and possibly imagine, he offers a new opportunity for you today. So right where you're at, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a God that is more than enough. We thank you that where I'm, where we're weak, you're strong. We thank you that you paid the ultimate price for our sin, for our shame, for our bad decisions. We thank you, God, that it didn't stop you then and it doesn't stop you now, that you can come into the hidden parts of our lives, that you can come into the weak areas of my life. God, right now, we call on you. We call on you in our hurt. We call on you in the midst of our disappointment. We call on you in the midst of our heartache. We call on you in the midst of our frustration. We call on you in the midst of our challenge. We call on you in the midst of our sickness. And we believe that you are a healer. We call on you in the midst of everything around us that seems to be falling apart. But we know that you are the one that keeps us together. So right now, right now, God, in every heart, in every life, show yourself strong. Show yourself strong. We believe right now. We believe that there are better days ahead. We believe that there are greater days ahead. We believe that you are an ever-increasing God right now. And we just worship you for it. We just worship you for it. We just worship you for it right now in Jesus' name.